chapter 17. The miracle of unity. Boy, that's kind of pretty, isn't it? The miracle of unity. We're going to be in John 17 mostly. The other two are supporting scriptures, but I wanted you to have them because some people love taking notes. The miracle of unity. Let's go to that next screen. And I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? I was thinking about this question as I was driving down here, and it dawned on me. Pentecostal churches have changed. We have changed. You know, in the old days, when I first started pastoring back in 1988, that's a long time ago, youth pastoring in 1987, but pastor in 1988, 89, I'll tell you what, I remember always hearing the old timers say, Pastor, if we would just have a great miracle in the church, the church would fill up. You see, the old time Pentecostals, and I went to a state that said how life should be. And they were behind the times. And in some ways, I didn't mind them always being behind the times. But they used to say, we could just have a great miracle. So a blind, somebody who came in here blind would receive their sight. That would do it. Somebody who came in lame would be healed. That, that would send such commotion through the community. And the church would fill up because people would want to come see what God is doing. Do we even think about that today? Do we even talk that way today? Do we look at miracles today like that? No. We go to church and we hope somebody will just come through the door and join us for church and then we think that's a miracle. Well, it is in this day and age if people are just going to show up for church and never go to church, don't even know what a church is. That is kind of a miracle. It'd be like you going to the bar. <clears throat> it should be that foreign to you, I hope. I hope. Oh, oh, pastor, we, we don't live, we're, we're in a different day. We're in a different day. We don't worry about those things. I mean, you know what? We should start thinking about those things once again. But you know the greatest miracle happened in your life when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The greatest miracle happened. Before we look at that, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need miracles in this church. But the greatest miracle you've already done, if you didn't do anything else but save us, we have everything that we need in this life. But Lord, you are the same as you were yesterday, as you are today, as you are tomorrow. Lord, you came and you healed the blind, you healed the deaf, you healed the leper, you healed those who were demon-possessed, you healed those who were addicted, you healed and you loosed chains, and Lord, you want to still do it today. Lord, we are hearing about miracles all over the world. But Lord, we need them once again in your church today, Lord. Lord, for us, we always look at financial miracles. If I could just win the publisher sweepstakes, Lord, that would be just a miracle. But Lord Jesus, that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about affecting lives and changing us. And so, Lord, bring revival. Bring revival, Lord. Bring revival to our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, do a work in us today and help us to see how unity is a miracle. We pray this in Jesus' name, and I thank you for your anointing to preach this word. Help me only to speak the words you would have me to speak. And Lord, anoint us to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want you to see something I could go on about miracles. I could tell you about the miracles I used to see in the church. I remember when I first came into Pentecost and Charismatic Movement, I remember seeing somebody who was blind all of a sudden 
heal and they could see. I remember somebody coming to church and being deaf and having their ears unclogged and they could hear. I remember the demon possessed would come in and be carried out by the ushers and we would get the report that they were set free and now saved. I would remember when that homosexual would come to church and all of a sudden they were saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and moving back with their wife. I remember those days. I remember the little girl who came to camp meeting. She was hit by a car. She came in a body cast. Bones broken all over her body. Her daddy took her through the prayer line. We had all the ministers line up and everybody laid hands on her. We used to do those things at camp meeting at one time. Would walk them, walked her through that prayer line. And she took them back, took her back to the doctor the next day. And she came back the next night. No cast on. Rans waving and running around the church. <coughs> we need to see miracles again. But it's not going to happen when the church can't be united. Let's look at the next slide. Through Jesus' sacrificial death, believers are one with God. Isn't that not true? Okay. Theologians call it the atonement. The atonement, really, if you want to remember how to spell it, it's at one mint. You're at one with God. That's all it really means. It's the miracle of salvation. And you know why it's a miracle of salvation? Think about grace. Do we deserve to be saved? No. no. Do we deserve a holy God to go to the cross for us and give his life for us? No. But here's the why it's a miracle. A holy God and a sinful man are unified, are brought together and made one because of Jesus Christ. And when that holy God looks at us through the eyes of Jesus, he sees us sanctified. And I thank God that Jesus knows who we really are and he says, Father, send them the Holy Ghost because they are not where they're supposed to be yet. But God the Father loves us as his little children and he makes us one with him. That is why the atonement is a miracle. Because the Bible says you can't stand in the presence of a holy God unless you are holy. Thank God for his wonderful grace. Can you give the Lord a praise for that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about cheap grace where you can do whatever you want and you don't have to be accountable. That's not what I'm talking about. Real grace, that when you, do, when you do whatever you want and you do what's wrong, we'll tell you, hello. Hello, McFly. <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit comes and says, um, what did you just do? Gulp. You saw that? Yes, I did. Oh, man, you miss nothing, do you? Nope, that's why I'm God. I don't miss a thing. I can see what's going on in your life as well as the person across the world. Oh. Well, I messed up. Yeah, you messed up. What are you going to do about it? I'm sorry. Oh, good answer. I'm sorry, Lord. Help me to overcome my stupidity. Amen. Oh, Pastor, that's too, that's too blunt. Well, somebody told me that some people needed that blunt in order for them to understand what the Scripture is actually saying. We only sin because our body's addicted to it. Come on. Our body is addicted to sin like a person who is addicted to cigarettes is. We crave it. Because why? And we can't help it. We were born in sin. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why Jesus needed to come. Somebody needed to give us a remedy for the sin. And Jesus came and he saved us. And he went to the cross so that we could have that remedy and we could be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And that we... The Bible says so we can be overcomers. And this is so cool. Jesus says, whoever overcomes, I will allow, my translation, to sit on my throne. Now, how cool is that? How cool is, do you be an overcomer? 
And Jesus is all, now here's the thing. We don't do it in our own work. We don't do it in our own strength. We do it through the blood of Jesus Christ. We do it through his strength, his power, and by the aid of the Holy Spirit. We take it back to the cross. We go, Lord, you said it's finished. You said it's finished. So, Lord, you have set me free from that thing. It's just my body doesn't know it yet. I knew a, I had a guy in, in Maine that used to get all upset because he says, Christians don't sin. Christians don't sin. Because the word says Christians don't sin. I said, um, what did John say over in 1 John chapter 1? If you say you are not, you do not sin, you make God a liar and make his what? Non effect? What? Our salvation, because we're calling him a liar. We do sin. What is he talking about that Christians don't sin? That's the mark. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we're working for. And when we stand before the God, the Father, we will be so sanctified, we will never sin again because we can't. Because we'll no longer be in this body that has its cravings and its lust. We'll have that perfect body. We'll be totally sanctified and we'll never sin again. Isn't that going to be an awesome day? We talk about not having aches and pains or diseases or or or. or, or bionic parts anymore and praise God and we'd have our own we'd have hair back and teeth back and joints back oh my word but the greatest miracle is we will never sin again because of the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ because we were blood bought because Jesus died on the cross for us how hard is that to understand See, I don't know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Oh, my word. I guess I'm in good company because the greatest theologian the church has ever had, that was his opinion. All right. Let's, go, let's get into the word here. Let's go over. Let's get to the next slide. Whew, glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on. Turn it. Oh, let me say something before we get to the next slide. Unity in the church is important to Jesus. I want you to hear that. Unity in the church is important to Jesus. And we'll find out why in a moment. Unity in the church is important. I'm going to say it one more time. Unity in the church is important because we can do more. Come on. We can do more together than we can individually. We have more strength together than we have individually. This is why God says he doesn't want us to be lone stranger Christians. This is why he says he doesn't want us to neglect the attending of church together. He says that in Hebrews. I'm making it simpler for you. He says, especially in these last days. I'll tell you, it's not easy to be a Christian today. Look at our culture. God told me, we're going to get to the scripture in just a second. God told me on Friday, we now need to have a concerted effort by our church to start praying for revival. We need a concerted effort to start praying for revival. And then once revival hits us, there's some of us, boy, oh boy, I look at you and you just look miserable. Boy, some of us need to be revived. Some of us need to come out of the where we're at being so miserable in our own flesh. We need to be revived. You see, revival touches the individual. And then after we have the revival going, God wants us to start praying about a great awakening. You see, the church can't have a great awakening until we start getting revived. Let me tell you something, because a great awakening uses people who've been revived in Jesus Christ to change the culture. If my people who are called by his name, why don't we start acting like his people instead of fragments? Now I'm preaching across the, air, uh, across the internet. That's probably more for them than here at home. Today I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Jason talked about the 80-20. The good news about our church is that we got the 80 actually working in the church while the 20 are sitting back. The only problem is that we have only 20% given to the church while 80 ain't. 
I can't wait to report that we got 90% given in the church. Oh, hallelujah. And then we'll pray for the 10% to come along. Amen. Hallelujah. You saw that need. $3,000. And we're almost to the, we're halfway through the month. Praise God. God can make it up. All right, let's get into the word. Next slide. So here's Jesus' burden for unity. In the finality of his life, he prayed this in John 17, 21, that they all may be one. He's talking about you folks and me. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the here's the kicker, that the world may believe that you sent me. Ooh, wait a second. Why is unity so important in the church? That the world may believe that you sent me. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. But I'm jealous of the church across town. <laughs> I got enough to do about my own church than to be worried about the church across town. <laughs> I want a revival that comes to Wapit and Breckenridge that's so powerful that every church in our community will get revived. That every church in our community that has switched to the wrong doctrine will come back to the real doctrine and come back to the Word of God because their pastor, their priest can't help themselves. I don't want to have, I don't want to be so stingy that we keep the revival all to ourselves. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You see, that's what, that, that's what happens when people who are seeking revival start seeking it not just for themselves, but all the churches. Then a great awakening can happen. Do you think that the, the last great awakening that happened in this country was because those men in New York were just praying for New York? Or were they praying for all the churches to get revived? And you know what's so exciting? The, the ships coming in would hit the... the maritime national border out at sea as soon as they crossed it they didn't understand what was going but they would get on the radio and beg to have a preacher sent out to their ship because they were all falling on their knees in repentance because something happened when they crossed the international line and you know what the times were like this after the civil war the nation was fragmented. The nation needed to come a healing. The nation needed to come back together. And God wanted to still use the United States of America to change the world. Look how much we've spent in missions and sending missionaries around the world. But we need that unity. We need that unity in our own church. Let's go to the next slide. That's a huge statement. Can we back up one more time? Back it up. Back it up. I just want to read that one statement again. Back it up. Back to the last slide. Jesus had a burden for us. Think about this. I didn't stress this enough. He prayed this before he died. This was his thoughts. You know, when a person is dying, their last words are usually very important, aren't they? Okay, let's go to the next slide. That's a huge statement, wasn't that? Jesus prayed that his followers would be as unified as he and the Father are. Hmm, wait a second. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are completely one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. One. We don't have three gods. We have one God. How does that work? <sighs> Finer minds than mine have tried to explain it. St. Patrick used a clover leaf. Here's three leaves and they're all one. Robin loves using an egg. 
One, if somebody's misbehaving in class, you can throw it at them. No, that's not why she does it. Because the egg has three parts. But listen to me. You were born a trinity. Well, what do you mean? Were you not made in the image of God? If he's a trinity, then you are a trinity. You are flesh, body, soul, that, that intellect you have, and spirit. Your soul and your spirit go on for eternity. This flesh, because it's fallen in sin and it's been tainted by sin, will not go. We get a brand new one to replace it. But, we, but when you are redeemed, let me say this really clear now, because some of you are listening at home, probably aren't church of God and might not know this, but when you get saved, you are completely saved, body, soul, and spirit. So you cannot say, well, it's my flesh's fault, so I'm not held responsible. You need to say, Lord, I'm sorry when I, because I sinned. Lord, deliver me. Help me so I don't do this thing again because I need your strength to do it because I don't have power in myself. That's real. You take it back to the power of the cross. Jesus says it's finished, so go to the cross. Say, Lord, you said it's finished. Here it is. Help me overcome. Amen. God, when you look at the Trinity, when you look at the Godhead, they are inseparable. You can't just peel them off. They are inseparable. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus prayed that believers would be intimate, just like he and his Father are. That united, that aligned, that aligned. And I'm going to talk about alignment later. Unity reflects the, glo the glory and character of God because God is unified. So why shouldn't his church be? Think about the miracle and we became one with God, so we are one with each other. Okay, let's go. To, hey, that's why we're called the body of Christ. Let's look at that character. Verse 22 through 23. I better put my eyes back on so I do it correctly. I can read that without them, but I'd rather do it with my glasses on. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Did you hear that? The glory, Father, that you gave me, I have given them. Who's the them? It's uses. Yes, I know that's grammatically incorrect because that's not even a word. But I want you to pay attention. It's you, the church. He gives his glory to us, so why aren't we living in it? Why aren't we worshiping in it? I'm going to meddle again. I was watching... I was watching a worship service Woo-wee! on TV the other day. I needed it. Boy, did I need it. I turned on the TV. I happened to land on that Christian station. And, and I'll tell you what, they started worshiping. Oh, my word. Their lead pastor was out there leading. I mean, he was out there leading the song. He's 80 years old. And he's leading this song, and the place goes nuts. I mean, they're worshiping. I mean, they're really worshiping. Stuff that Jason would love to see us do. Just worshiping God. And he sings, and he's got the worship team behind him. He's got the whole choir. He's got all the musicians going. And he goes, and he tries to stop the song. No, he has to start all over again. And he's going, and going, and going. He's 80-some years old. He doesn't have that stamina he once had as a young man. All of a sudden, one of his associate pastors come out to take the microphone to help him out and to go on to the next thing. You know how we do to help, help out. And we're going to go on to the next thing now, pastor. And he comes out there, and the Spirit of God hit his associate pastor, and he started singing the first phrase of that song, walked over to pastor and handed the microphone back. Pastor just looked at his worship team like, 
I'm worn out. <laughs> but he's having fun with the look. He starts singing that first, that, just the chorus, and he looked at the worship team. And all of a sudden, the worship team started taking turns, taking the verses for him. And he's going, praise God, they're so good. And the Holy Spirit's just moving. He tries to wrap it down again. He does his thing like this. He does his thing like this. It's done. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God says, no. Starts it up all over again. Then one of his worship members got so filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what, you thought you were at the biggest, con I mean, you, it was just jazz coming out of him now, singing. And his piano player is playing better than he ever played in his life. And they're just going, going, going. And then all of a sudden, it looks like they're finally winding down and the Spirit hits that congregation so strong, people start running. People start dancing. People can't contain themselves. And so he just looks up and he just smiles and laughs and they just do the song again another five. This went on for, I'm not lying, this went on for 20 minutes on one song. Finally, finally, one of the worship, the sweetest lady, she takes pity on her pastor and he looks at her and she comes out with her microphone she starts a new song. And, which then was able to wind it down and then, then the other pastor of the church, I mean he's really the one who runs the church now, he's not really the, the lead pastor, he's more the emeritus, but the other, he comes out and he takes up the offering. But I'll tell you what, and the miracles I'll tell you what, we need to get excited once again as Pentecostals. If we get that unity, my word, we can let the Holy Spirit just move because we're going with the flow of the Holy Ghost. We're not arguing about what we're doing. We're not during the service. We're not arguing. We are unified. We're letting the Holy Spirit lead and do so that miracles can happen and people can get saved. People can get healed. People's finances can be touched. Oh, glory to God. Oh, I didn't even finish this, did I? <laughs> and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Now look at that. Here's the Lord's desire for us, for us to be one. I and them, you and me, that they may be made, whoo, glory to God, perfect in one. There's, there's that sanctification. There's that, there's that progressive sanctification that they may become perfect in one. Oh, glory. That's, our, that's where we're going. You might have gotten positionally sanctified when you got saved. You might have got positionally sanctified when you finally figured it out. You couldn't do it in your own strength and you surrendered all. But I'll tell you what, it's an ongoing process and the Lord is still working on You know what? Stop judging each other. Remember, God isn't finished with you, so he's not finished with your brother and sister in this church either. He's still working on all of us. We are still a work in progress progress. Can you say praise the Lord? Give the Lord a praise because you're a work in progress. Come on. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what. When you started, when you started praising the Lord, I had my eyes closed. I thought this house was packed out this morning when you're praised. Oh, glory to God. That they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. Again, this is the reason that the world may know that you have sent me, Father, and have loved them as you have loved me. Let's get the next slide up there. So unity, unity in the church gets the attention of the world. Isn't that what it says? Unity in the church gets the attention of the world. People are attracted to unity. Hmm. People don't like going, being part of fussing. Hmm. How many love watching the news? Come on. How many really love watching the news anymore? Even those who used to love watching the news, how many love ignoring the news now? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Why? Because all they're doing is fussing all the time. The president said this, and I say this. And the president says this about that, and blah, 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 blah. And that's just all it is, is noise. 
You watch it long enough, every, anybody can get depressed over that stuff. Come on. <laughs> that doesn't mean we put our head in the ground. We don't keep track of what's going on. But uh, you can do it like I do with the Washington Post. I get it in my feed because I bought something from Amazon once and they gave me the, the newspaper. And I don't care if they get upset when they're not hearing it because they're listening all over the place. I really don't care. But all you have to do is read the headlines there. You don't want to read the articles. Because when you get done reading the headlines there, you go, ew, wipe me off. This is so slimy. People are attracted to unity, so the church needs to be unified. And I'm not talking about compromised unity. Well, pastor, this is it. We've got to bend to the culture. We've got to be like the culture. Come on. Right, Jason? We've got to be like the culture. Call, call, I mean, I mean we, we, we need to accept everybody the way they are. doesn't matter what the Word of God says. we just got to be so accepting that we allow sin in the church to be just comfortable. Oh. Amen. Oh, my word. How is anybody going to get saved if we don't tell the truth in love? That doesn't mean we have to beat them over the head. But we got to be so loving that we tell them the truth. Oh. Would you allow your son or your little daughter to walk over to a down power line and suck on it? Wouldn't you tell them the truth that you shouldn't touch a down power line because it could kill you? Let alone going up to a suck on it. You know why they keep the power lines separated like that? Because if they were closer and the squirrels would walk on both lines, they would be electrocuted. The only time a squirrel gets electrocuted is when they fall into the transformer. And then we have no electricity. Yeah, deep fried squirrel is right. Yeah, no, you're not kidding. Yeah. Squirrel on a stick we have here. Squirrel on a stick at the fair. We have defied this morning. Um, <clears throat> Earlier, how did Jesus say that all people would know that we are his disciples? What did Jesus say that we would know that we are his disciples? He said in John 13, 35, By this you'll know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we got to start, we, that's why we got to start saying, hey, God's not done with hell yet. God's not done with Jeremy yet. God's not done with Karen yet. And God's not done with me yet. We are a work in progress. Hallelujah. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, for sending your Holy Spirit to work on me. To make me more like Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. Paul encouraged us the same way that Jesus did about how important unity is. Paul never let anything get by him. Paul picked up on this thing. Let's go see how, what he talked about. Paul challenged the church in Philippians 2.2. He said, fulfill my joy. What, did, what brings Paul joy? That's what he's telling the Philippians. He's telling... Unity brings me joy. How do you know? Because look what he says. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. That does not mean we are all drones and the same. We are like-minded. Having the same love. Hmm. Being of one accord. Being of one mind. That's what brought the Apostle Paul joy, is when he saw the church that way. That's really what, Paul, what Jesus is talking about. Come on. Let's go to the next slide. Another word for unity is alignment. Another word for unity is alignment. This was, I had to put this one in here because I knew Jason would like it. <laughs> he likes these big words. Now think about this. When the body is out of alignment, what happens? It causes problems and pain, doesn't it? That's why so many of us go see the Cracker Backer. 
right? Isn't that what happens when you go to the chiropractor? Crack, 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 crack. You know? His whole purpose is to get us back in alignment. Well, the church, for the church, alignment is important to its foundation. Again, think about the body. If your back is out of alignment, what is the foundation of your body? Your skeleton. So, and your spine is the main transporter of all the messages going from all over your body to your brain and from your brain to all. Of, it's what gets the... You think, I'm going to go pick up my Bible. And so... The brain says, walk over there. We don't hear it saying that. It just does it. It says, bend over, grasp your Bible, pick it up. Can you imagine if your brain and your spine wasn't connected? You would not get any of that done. In fact, they would call you being paralyzed. The church has gotten itself so out of alignment with God's word that most of the church in America today and in Canada is paralyzed. We go and we sit in our... Oh my word, we used to sit in the most uncomfortable pews in Pentecost, didn't we? I mean, in some places, when they would have tent meetings, they would throw sawdust out on the ground, put out crates and put planks across them, or put down hay bales, and that's what you sat on. And the service could go all night through the wee hours of the morning, and you had to go to work, and no one complained. But they went, and some sister would get up and start playing her tambourine and dancing, and her hairpins would be flying around the room. And, and somebody would be on a squeeze box not knowing how to play, but they were making a joyful noise of the Lord, and they were... Oh, glory to God. It was Homer and Jethro up there with a tooth missing, and they were praising the Lord. And people came and walked down that sawdust trail and gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. And people came and got filled with the Holy Ghost. And people came and God poured out and healed them all and set them free. Today, we got to have our comfortable chairs. Uh, the and think about this. They would have these tent revivals in a height of summertime with humidity and mosquitoes. And nobody complained. And today we have to have our air conditioning and our fans flowing. Oh, my word. Everything has to be just right. And boy, oh, boy. Oh, hallelujah. And the worship leader has to have that cool haircut. I mean, look at Jason. He's got that cool haircut going, you know. And he, he wears those red clothes when he comes on the platform. And the smoke billows out, right? And the lights are flashing. And, and, and um, the bass player starts his leg bump. You know, and all that's going... Um, for, that's, that's for our enjoyment at home that nothing happens like that. You've got to come experience one of our worship services. We, we let the Holy Spirit, we let Jesus be the star of the show. Oh, glory to God. For church, alignment is important. You see, we need to be, a, we need to be in alignment during the service with the Holy Ghost. So that when people come to visit our church, they are attracted to Jesus. They don't notice. Our goal, isn't this right? Our goal is that they don't notice us, but they notice the Lord. Amen. Come on. Now here is why alignment is important. Alignment is the arrangement of all ministries. Table time, Sunday school, Trading Post, Awana, and all the rest. Coloring me, color me Christian. Did I get it right? Colorful Christians. All those and the other ones. Go to our app and you'll see all of our different life groups. Alignment is the arrangement of all ministries and staff around the same simple process. Hmm. It's here. We align around this, the Word of God. 
in the same simple process. Of course, our process in the church, I want you to know something. I think you miss it. Our simple process, we move people through this. We pray together. That's our, worship, that's our Sunday morning worship service. But we don't want people just to stay in the Sunday morning worship service. We want them to get involved in a small group. Why? Because when you get involved in a small group, that's where all, a lot of the learning goes on. Come on. Somebody said to me, oh, I'm going over to this church because blah, blah, blah. Well, you never joined a small group to get that blah, blah, blah. The reason why I say blah, 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 because there's a hundred different million reasons why people say blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to say one thing. And I think, oh, that's all they care about. No, that's not all they care about. There's a lot of things. <clears throat> but we want them to move into the next thing. And then as they are growing in the second process, we want them to get involved in the third process. The whole point is to move everybody through the process to get them to the third process so we can start the process all over again with new people. Amen? And the people who've gone through the first two processes to get to the third process are helping disciple the people who are starting in the first process. And what is the process? We pray together. We pray together. Prayer is worship time. Prayer is is those times when we have prayer meeting. Prayer is when you get together with a brother or sister and you need, it's any kind of form of prayer, that's what we are talking about there. We pray together. The second process we want to move them is we learn together. That's why we want them to get into a small group. We learn together. It's important that we, Jesus says, make disciples. He didn't just say make Christians. He said, make disciples. Why? Because we need to grow so that we can keep on making disciples, that we can keep getting people saved. Amen? And the third process is we go together. What do we mean by go? Jesus said, go into all the world. Right? Now, when we, when we get into our, our study of the Word, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm thinking of making this even more interesting on how we're going to do the study of the Word. We, I might have a panel of experts help me with this. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> One of them, I think, has been having an inkling on it. The only time he can't come is when he's been working the whole weekend of overtime, unless the Holy Spirit energizes him. <laughs> and it can happen. It can happen. I've seen it happen. Because out of everybody in our church, he's the energizer bunny. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> he, he, he's our tigger. Right? Oh, glory to God. But we, we, we go to... But I want you to notice something. There's a fourth thing listed up there, and you probably don't even notice it. There's a fourth thing listed up there. What is the fourth thing? Together. We do all this in unity. We do it all in unity. Why? Next slide. Because unity is powerful. Unity, it is magnetic. It draws. You get all those atoms working together, what does it do? It draws to it, doesn't it? I'm going to draw you. Right? Well, you've been rubbing off on me. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Oh, but Pastor, we're all funny looking. Oh, speak for yourself. I'm the only, I'm the only funny looking one here. Come on. Come on. Unity, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when there's... When, oh, I... Brother Tim wanted to know, give me a hint of what we're going to study today, what we're going to be preached, what we're going to look at today. And I said, there's the, the, the miracle of unity. And he started going, oh, he started quoting the sounds, the, the, how it runs, that unity, how it runs down the beard of Aaron, how beautiful it is. <laughs> And I've preached that a while back. Might have been a few years ago, but I preached it a while back. And unity, the impact of unity 
is great. Because it will bring revival. It will bring, it will change, we will start changing. And we will find out who the big toe is. Oh, I like that. What did Paul talk about in unity? We are the body of Christ. Well, we all can't be the eye. We all can't be the ear. Right? We all have a different function to fulfill as the body of Christ, but we are one body. Just like there's only one spirit, one baptism, one Lord. For those who don't remember, Snoopy was out running one day. This is a picture of unity. Snoopy was out jogging one day. You know, Snoopy is a health nut. He eats right. You know, he exercises every day. And so he's out jogging. Boy, oh boy. Poor old Snoopy. I don't know. The people who love to jog. Lord love them. Anyway, because I know, I don't think there's any joggers in this church. Anyway. <laughs> but we're all fit for the kingdom. Amen. <laughs> Snoopy's out jogging, and all of a sudden a conversation starts happening about what body part is more important than the others. And the brain goes on about why he is so important to the body, and then this part starts talking about why it was important to the body, and then the feet start saying, oh, we're the most important ones in the body, because if we weren't here, you wouldn't be able to be doing that right now. And the heart got tired of hearing it, and the heart says, well, guys, if I stop beating, you're all in trouble. But who's the heart of the body of, of Christ? It's Jesus Christ. We better get aligned with Him. Amen. The impact, though, of the body of Christ when it's in unity is great. We got people in this community who are right now are becoming addicted to opioids as they take that first pill. We have people in this community who are in so much heartache that they're getting addicted to booze because they're drinking that first bottle. We have people in this community who have lost it and are beating their children. We have, we have people in this community that are, are just such a mess, they want to end it all, and they are going out to kill themselves. And what is the impact of the church on them? We need to get so unified that we figure out how can we change lives? How can we stop that parent from beating on their kid? How can we stop that person from taking that first pill? How can we help that person before they take that first swig? How can we help that person before they end it all? I did a funeral a couple years ago for a man here and it shocked all the pastors. He was such an outgoing guy. Everybody knew him. Everybody thought he went to one of the churches. But he didn't go to any. And he killed himself. Because he got in such despair. And yet everybody knew him. And the saddest thing was, we didn't know he was so hurting. That was the comment I heard over and over again. How can we make an impact on Wapiton and Breckenridge? Because we get so united. Because we love Jesus so much that we want to carry the church outside of these walls and not the church just inside here. Go to the next slide. Let's have a great impact on our community. Woo! Wow, we're at the end. Think about the impact we could have because we're one in Christ. Oh my word. Robin, love the fact that she realized one day she didn't have to do it all by herself. She didn't have to be Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. I mean, I, when I first met Robin, she'd come to church and she'd walk in and there was a test or two. She would spin around, the lightning would happen, and next thing she was Wonder Woman. Ah! And she, she came to me one day, she said, Pastor, I keep burning out. And so we started a process together. <laughs> and now, 
Now she comes to church and she surrounds herself not just with wonder women, but she surrounds herself with wonder men and they're all working together on her projects that she's got going. And she goes, hallelujah. And I never hear her say, pastor, I'm burnt out. No, she found that, she found that unity was great and she could get so much done. I mean, oh my word, even with her youth, she walks in, I just think it's cool. She walks in, I know what she's doing and I'm gonna give you a secret. She takes all the stress off of her and she puts it all on the kids. This is your, yeah, but you don't even know you're doing it. This is your group. <laughs> Who brought the music tonight? I did, says Jeremy. Oh, great. All right, we got a plan on going camping. Who's going to? And the kids start planning. Oh, we want to have hamburgers. And she, even though she has to get it all. She says, they start saying, we want hamburgers. We want hot dogs. We want to make s'mores. I'll grab a stick or two. And they all go and do it. And they get there. And she doesn't have to put up the tent by herself. Because I know she doesn't stand back and just watch. She's, she's too hands-on for that. Think about that. Think about our worship team. Oh, my word. You don't know how hard it was for me to stay away. Somebody here knows how hard it was for me to stay away. Because you had all these personalities that were type A buttonheads. Doesn't want to live. And then... And now we have unity in the worship team. And it took them a while to get that unity. And you guys need to pray together and study the word. Hey, we're going to just worship here. We're going to practice. Hey, I'm going to sing way up here. I'm going to sing way down here. And we're not going to listen to each other. Ah. And all of a sudden they started table time. And prayer time. And I didn't get involved. And I let him go through the growing pains. Why? Because it was useful. Because the body had to grow. You see, just like the body has to grow and go through growing pains, so did our worship team. And now you get our worship team together. Oh my word, they're one of the best groups we have. They're on the computers. They're, they're making joyful noises. They're working in other areas of the church. But it's all in unity, working together. And we don't always do it perfect, do we? Because we're still growing. We haven't arrived yet. Because we're not in heaven. And we're still working towards that but think about that if we could take that unity we have inside these walls and start using it out there it's going to be tremendous that brings me to a commercial before I end if you want to be involved in Awana as a leader you need to show up this Wednesday and the following Wednesday Lorraine and I are taking the little munchkins with me. Youth group is still happening, but you have to come because our Awana commander, Jason, is going to be doing some training. The first Wednesday, the reason why you have to be here, he's going to be talking about how to do Awana inside the building. It's very important how we're going to do it inside the building. The next week, you got to be here because he's going to be talking about taking that unity and doing it outside in the community. Because we need to reach kids, boys and girls for Jesus and their moms and dads and their grandmas and grandpas and their in-laws and outlaws and, and even all the people they have influence over. We need to start reaching them for Jesus Christ because the time is short. Jesus is coming again. Think about this. The time is short, folks. Think about the impact we could have. We have to take the message of the cross to Breckenridge and Wapaton. Why? Because souls need to get saved. There's people out there don't even know why they need to go to church. Lorraine and I talk about it. We're living in a, the culture has changed. People are so indifferent to the church. They don't understand why they need to get up on Sunday morning and go to church. We got Christians who don't even know why they should get up and go to church on Sundays. Oh, I, I have a twinge in my arm. I'm not going to church today. Benny Hinn once was asked, how come the miracles only happen at your revivals? Why don't you go into all the hospitals, lay hands on everybody who's sick at the hospitals? He says, I do go to the hospitals. I do go visit the sick. He says, but there's a, there's a difference between a hospital and a revival meeting. 
And they said, what? One is a place of faith. The other one is a place of resolve. The people who are coming to the meetings are there and they have an anticipation that God's going to touch them. When they're laying in the hospital bed, they, they're just desperate. He says miracles do happen in the hospital, but they happen more in a place of faith. Come on. We need to get, fa- we need to get back to having faith like Brother Shambach had. Oh my word, Brother Shambach says, the Bible says he's going to heal you, he's going to heal you. Okay, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to handle this one? Dear lady came up in revival service, Jeremy. Don't you ever do this unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. She came up, Brother Shambach had her stand there, and she says, I got cancer, and I need a miracle, otherwise I'm dying. Doctors gave me six months to live. He says, where is it? She says, I got stomach cancer. You can't heal stomach cancer. You just got to believe back then. There was nothing really they could do. He looked at her. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ. And he balled up his fist and he punched her as hard as he could right in the stomach. And she, as you could think, you think she went out in the spirit? No, she bent in half. He said, in Jesus' name, you better know it's the Holy Spirit. You better not do that kind of stuff. You're going to jail. That's assault. (laughs) Right? Punched her as hard as he could. And instead of going, oh, she went, whoa. She started dancing and praising the Lord. She says, I felt the Holy Ghost all over me, that warmth. And the Lord instantly healed her. He didn't punch her. He was punching that cancer. He says, he said later to those he was mentoring, he says, the Holy Spirit told me to do that. He said, don't, and he said the same thing I said, don't you dare do that unless the Holy Spirit, he, but the Holy Spirit had Brother Shambach do weird things like that. <laughs> you didn't see other preachers going, I want to be like Shambach. Whack! I liked when T.L.R.E. when it came into meetings. He just walked to, onto the platform, walked to the pulpit, and the Holy Spirit would just fall, and everybody gets slain out and healed all over the place. <clears throat> of course, the difference between T.L. Lowry and Brother Shambach is T.L. Lowry looked like Moses. <laughs> he did with that way. You know, you picture Charlton Heston as Moses. That was T.L. Lowry. And so... You, you should read some of the stories about how the Holy Spirit would fall in meetings. And he just walked onto the platform. He didn't say a word. Holy Spirit would fall. He was so prayed up. And he didn't, he didn't know any better. The Bible said pray. Believe. And let the Holy Spirit have His way. Oh, hallelujah. Souls need to be saved. Let's remember we are one in Christ. He has done a miracle in our church already. He has made us one. And we have been made one with God the Father when we were saved. We became one with God in the atonement. That is the miracle. That's what we need to believe. That's what we need to trust the Lord for. Let me tell you something. Time is short. And that's why we're going to be studying what we're going to be studying on Sundays at 5, starting on the 9th. We're going to be studying the... Let me give it to you the way I wrote it. Where is it? Where did she hide it in here? She's got it in here. We will be studying being the New Testament church and where we are at in the end times. We better start being the New Testament church. And let that reality, that's why we're going to use the book of the Bible we're going to use to guide us through. But we're going to be touching on Revelations. We're going to be touching on Timothy. We're going to be touching on Matthew. We're going to be touching on Luke. We'll touch on Daniel. We'll touch on all those things. Because the book that we're going to use is an end times book. And the first chapter leads us right. Jesus, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom? Starts out that way. And then you get to chapter 2. This is that what the prophet Joel spoke about. And we'll have to go back and see what Joel said. Oh, glory to God. That'll lead to some interesting discussions. Amen? Hallelujah. And, and, and 
we're even going to study quickly, very quickly, all the feasts of the Old Testament so that we can understand the end times better and why we don't worship in those feasts anymore. Because we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are under a new covenant. Amen. But it will, I'm praying it's going to be a catalyst to get us to do church in our community and that we will start seeing souls. Say, we'll see people coming in here. We never thought we'll come in here. We'll see tiny grabbing people by their shirt, shirts, bringing them into church. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see here lassoing them with the Holy Ghost. That's what we'll be seeing. And it's going to be so cool. We're going to see, we're going to, we're going to be, we're going to get people to come. And listen, let me tell you something. Inviting still works, but the church doesn't invite anybody anymore. Inviting still works. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, mm -mm -mm. I thank you for the miracle of unity. I thank you, Lord, that that miracle happened the day that we asked Jesus into our hearts. What we call the atonement, Lord where we became one with you. And you also meant it that we became one with each and every Christian. That the church would be united so that the church could do more. So that the church could reach out and do the work that you've told us to do, Lord, to go and make disciples. Oh, we thank you, Lord. And we praise you, Lord. That, Lord, you're going to energize us, and we are going to see our church grow. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. See, we're going to be doing things together. Jason and 